So I, uh, I had a bit of a nostalgic moment um, over this week as I was preparing this message. You know, one of those moments when you kind of go back to your childhood and you're like, wow, I remember some of the goofy things I used to do. Um, I don't know if you've, if, actually this ad, I'm, I, I was reminded of an ad um, that I always would see, you know, looking at my favorite magazines growing up as a kid, you know. Yeah, actually, there was a time, teenagers, when we had paper magazines that we looked at. Um, and I remember looking at them, and when one that, that, that I was remembering, actually, this is an ad that's probably been going on for a good 20 years now, which shows <clears throat> how old I am. And um, it's, it's an ad that, that just brought me right back to my childhood. It's, you've probably seen him, you know, it's the Got Milk ads. You know, the, uh, the ads like this where they're, where they're athletes, you know, like, uh, like my favorite Kurt Warner and, um, that one's for my wife, Tom Brady. Um, he's such a farm animal. But anyways, so, so, so the got milk ads, you know, they're celebrities, you know, athletes, um, there, there, there's some really good ones, and then there's, you know, like Alex Trebek, you know, so if you want to be an athlete, you got to drink milk, right? And then, and then if you want to be super smart, you, you look like Alex, you know, you, you, you drink milk, but, but if you want to be Pikachu, you drink milk too. So this is a goofy one. To me, I look at that and I go, what in the world does a cartoon do to make me want to drink milk? It does not. At all, and so I think whoever uh, probably came up with that one got fired shortly thereafter. Um, but anyways, they should have. So um, when I think about the Got Milk commercials or the Got Milk ads, what I realize is that you know obviously they're they're, they're marketing ads trying to get people to drink milk, and there's good reasons to drink milk, right? But the cynic in me knows that they were having those those ads, and they continue to have those ads, you know, because it's big dairy, right? Y'all don't know about Big Dairy? Uh, you, see the, you see the red circles everywhere, don't you? I mean, they're on everything. They're on my cheese. They're on my milk. They're on my half and half. They're on my cheese sticks. They're on mayonnaise. Now, I know that that's not true, right? Now, that, that's not really milk, is it? Come on, now. I mean, it says right on it, it's milk. And I'm saying, that is not milk. I can't put that in a glass and drink that. So y'all are lying to me, right? That's Big Dairy. Now, Big Dairy, obviously, is not true. But, but what it is, is it's, it's obviously trying to make money, not so much trying to get people um, to, to drink milk. Um, all right, so moment of confession, why it really brought me back to that moment of nostalgia is I remember, like, looking at, you know, the, the, the Kurt Warner ad, and, you know, they got the white strip on the lip, don't they? All right. Moment of honesty. I'm not the only one, right? How many of you would, as you saw the commercial, go over to your refrigerator, grab the milk and pour a glass and take a good gulp and then walk right over the mirror and see, is it there? I did. No other hands? No other hands? Am I really that weird? Wow, okay. Wow, wow. But obviously milk is good for you, right? And so the, the, the marketing commercials are, 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 are good in that sense. Uh, especially, obviously, you know, a toddler, as they transition from breast milk or formula to, uh, to milk, as they're transitioning to other foods, they need cow's milk to be a, a primary source of their diet. Um, because if they don't, if they were uh, robbed of that, they'll be malnourished, and that can have significant impact on their growth and then uh, ultimately on their health as an adult. 
But it's, it's not just for toddlers. Everybody needs milk, and if you are lactose intolerant or don't like it, then you need to make sure that you're getting that source of nutrients from other, from other, uh, from other food sources, right? And if you don't get it, even at your, your age of an, of an adult, whatever that age is, if you don't get it, you will be malnourished, and it will affect your potential for, for a healthy life. Did you know that there's actually something in the Bible that teaches uh, that God actually, our Father, God our Father wants for everyone, every one of his children to have. And this is something that every one of his children needs to grow up, to be healthy, to be whole, and to have productive and even satisfying lives. As a matter of fact, if you don't get this, and you don't get an ample supply of this, you will be malnourished spiritually, and then every part of your life will be affected because of your lack of it. Without this, the potential for your life as his children in his kingdom is extremely limited. If the Bible had a marketing campaign like the Got Milk ad that would motivate us to get what our father wants for his children, you know what it would be? Got wisdom? Got wisdom? Wisdom. See, wisdom is what the father wants to give his children because he knows it's what we need arguably more than anything else in our lives apart from Jesus and giving our lives to Jesus. Once we give our lives to Jesus and become his children, this is what we need more than anything else. It's what we need because because he is our father who loves to give it and wants it for his kids. And so it begs the question... Got wisdom, just like got milk, would motivate me to go to the fridge because of the milk strip. But for other reasons, just like that got milk ad reminded me, have I had my milk today? This begs the question, do you got wisdom? Do you got wisdom? And I'm not talking about street smarts, by the way. I'm not talking about common sense Uh, At least, although that is an aspect of wisdom, what I'm talking about is a wisdom that understands life for what it really is and knows how to live it well. I'm talking about a wisdom that sees the world from a perspective of a loving father who created it for his children to live well in and who has broken the power of sin, death, and evil to make it a safe place for them to grow and become mature as sons and daughters. I'm talking about that kind of wisdom. And that wisdom gives us the ability to really live life to the fullest. It's skillful living. It's living up to everything we're made for. When we're living like this, how we're made to live, there is a satisfaction of spirit that is almost palpable. Few things invite us to taste our union with God like pursuing and living a life of wisdom. One author said it this way. There is a way things work. There is a way things work. And you know when you're living according to the way things work and when you're not. And this is especially true as children of the Father, understanding that he is king over the universe. There is a way things work in his world. And so, 
do you got wisdom? We should pause here. There might be a few of you that are here and you're saying, I don't buy it. I don't buy it that there's some supernatural special wisdom to the world. I've seen the world. I know how to live in it. I've got everything I need to know how to do it. And if, and if I don't, I know how to get it. And I certainly don't need a God to give it to me. You might be here and you're saying, wisdom, mastering life, living life well, life is dominating me. I'm barely surviving. Well, the truth is, if you're either of those people or somewhere in between, this message, I think, could be very helpful for you. Because the truth is, there is wisdom, and life can be mastered. Because there is a loving Father who loves you and wants to give it to you with the ability to actually live it well. So here, right now, it's your invitation to say to your heart, there is more to learn. God is good. He wants me to learn and live wisely. So open your mind, open your heart, so that now, right now, can be today, the day that you choose wisdom. So we're going to talk about that kind of wisdom. We're going to talk about a wisdom that allows us to live well, to live to the full, to live to our full potential as God's children. We're talking about living wisdom from the Father. And so today, what we're going to find is that a life of wisdom comes through a lifetime learning relationship with our Heavenly Father. Real wisdom starts with knowing God and then grows through an intimate father and child relationship. Today, we're going to see that to get more wisdom is going to happen by getting to know God better, your father, more and more intimately. And so as we get into God's word, what I want us to first notice is that our father's desire for his children is to grow up and become wise. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1 and notice that our father's desire is for his children to grow up and to become wise. Notice as we read verse 1, it starts, the Proverbs of Solomon. So right in verse 1, the author of this book is provided. His name is Solomon. Solomon was the king of Israel. He reigned from 971 to 931 BC, so roughly a little under a thousand years before Jesus came. And there's some interesting facts, facts about this. This book was written the latter half of Solomon's life, just before the book of Ecclesiastes, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And the thing that I want you guys to first track about this person, Solomon, is that he lived by all of life's standards, by all of normal standards, a full life. Check this out. He was given supernatural wisdom from God. And because of it, he became world famous in his day. It's actually recorded in 1 Kings chapter 3. You have the, the, the time where he actually asked God for it. Check this out. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, At Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. 
And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. He was probably a teenager when he became king. And I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Did you track that? It pleased the Lord that he asked for this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Notice that it pleased God that Solomon asked for wisdom, and it pleased God to give him that wisdom. And it was a supernatural wisdom, and like I said, it made him world famous. He had a full life because of that. Check this out. He built a temple. The temple was known at the time as one of the seven wonders of the world. It was incredible. All right, And then he was also accomplished politically. He brought a unified kingdom and provided Israel, ancient Israel, with its only time ever of peace. I did that primarily through, uh, through marrying daughters of kings from his surrounding nations. He was an accomplished diplomat. He built many cities. He was a horticulturalist. He had three massive gardens that are, sorry, he had massive gardens that took three swimming-sized pools to water them. He also was a social reformer who promoted the arts and philosophy. He was rich and famous. First Kings 4 talks about some of his daily provisions. He had enough food to feed 30 to 40,000 people a day. He had at least three houses, one of which was the size of two football fields. At his peak of his reign, he was generating about 636 talents of gold in trade and selling, which would be the equivalent to about $1 million a year. At that time, He got Israel involved in the Arabian spice trade. He had 200 shields of gold weighing 15 pounds each. Solid gold, 15 pounds, 200 of them. 300 shields weighing 3 pounds each. His throne was ivory overlaid with gold. All of his drinking vessels were, guess what? Gold. What do you want to drink from today, sweetheart? Let's have gold in the coffee cup today. Um, the guy had two navies. Two navies. He, brought, he, had, he was brought gifts by all the kings and the queens of the world. He had 
1,400 chariots. That's like having a car whenever you want, whatever car you want. Jay Leno's got nothing on him. And then in addition to that, he also took that and took it to the excesses of life. Solomon was an excessive partier. 1 Kings 4 talks about those daily provisions of food of 30 to 40,000 people. You know why he needed 30 to 40,000 people to be fed? That's how many people were going to his parties. 30 to 40,000 people at one time in one place for a party. He drank excessively. He pursued any desire he had. That include music, arts, philosophy, social status, partying, drinking, sex. The man had a thousand wives and concubines. Most of his wives were pagans. They didn't follow the God of the Bible. And because of that, they led his heart away from worshiping the true God. And Ecclesiastes is the testimony of Solomon's search for life's meaning apart from God. And his conclusion was this. It's all meaningless. And so he writes that book at the end of his life because apparently he turned back to the Lord and he said that a life centered on God, that brings meaning, significance, and genuine joy. In short, this man was the lifestyles of the rich and famous. He was Hollywood's finest. He was sex, drugs, and rock and roll before any of those things ever existed. And he could be known for all of those things. But notice in Proverbs 1 what he wants to be known for. Read verse 1 again. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David. Notice that Solomon wants to be known as a son of David. And the reason I say that is because notice what he says in verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Solomon, a man of incredible wealth, shares his most precious possession with his sons. His wisdom. Notice what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. He says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then he describes wisdom in verse 13. He said, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And he would know. Nothing can... Nothing you desire, and he would know about fulfilling desires, can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. And he would know about riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Wisdom is the most prized possession, the wealthiest, most honored, most powerful man on the face of the earth could share with his sons and daughters. Wisdom. See, the purpose of writing is then provided. Um, It's a father's loving instruction 
to his sons on how to get wisdom. And notice that Solomon points out that he is a son. He's a father of David, or son of David. He's a father who was fathered. He was fathered to father. We're fathered to father. And Pastor Chris, a few weeks ago, talked about that when he spoke about the fatherless, and we learned at that point uh, in that message that fathering is one of the most lacking things because of sin. Now catch this. Here is a father providing the most important thing that he can to parent his children. Wisdom. See, giving wisdom is one of the primary ways Solomon is fathering his children, and really instilling wisdom is giving his children the tools to get more wisdom. And it's one of the primary ways a parent parents their child well. Notice again what it says in verse 8. I want you to, in verse 8 and verse 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and a pendant for your neck. See, it's fathers and mothers. And for the sake of clarity, uh, because I think that the text indicates this, is that uh, as this father is writing to his children, he's also reminding his child to pay attention to his mother's, children, his mother's teaching. And so when you say the term fathering from here on out, I'm describing parenting. Okay? And what we eventually are going to see is that the best way to teach wisdom to a child is to give them the tools that they need for life to point them to their heavenly father. To help them learn from him about the world that he has created and their part in it. So in verse 1, we have the content of the book through which a father is offering loving wisdom through his proverbs. Through his proverbs. That word proverb, it's, it's, it's actually derived from a Latin word, proverbium. But the original language, what the, what the word in the Hebrew that was written here actually means to be like or it's like this or it represents this. And what it was is it was a short statement that basically was saying that this is what it is like, whatever the subject is, or uh, be like this, whatever this example is, or the opposite of it is, is this is what it's not like and don't be like this. Simple statements that taught a time-tested insight into real life. And so the Proverbs are wise, less, are wise sayings of things to learn from, to imitate and to apply for, the, for one's benefits, for others' benefits, and then ultimately to honor God in life, the creator of life. So they are sayings to learn how to really live because they teach us about what life really is all about and what it really is like. And so, catch this, that the Proverbs are meant to be applied to our lives because they tell it like it really is. And so here's a father providing the most important thing he can to father or parent them his wisdom. And notice that he is doing it through simple Proverbs, simple teaching statements. And I have to imagine that Solomon took moments with his children as they were going throughout their days, maybe as they were walking through his immense palace, um, to point out things as they were going and sharing these simple statements of life to connect truth with the real life. Matter of fact, Solomon's really just following God's cue, his heavenly father's lead. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So Solomon taught about love for God, his commandments, how to live wisely in his world, through Proverbs. And he collected them in this book, the book of Proverbs. Which, by the way, since we know that Solomon was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the words that are contained in here, when it says, hear my son, what he's really saying is, our Heavenly Father is saying, hear my child. And don't forsake my teaching to you as your father. So really, our father's desire, we can see from that that our father's desire is for his children to grow up. And that means to become wise. Notice again in Proverbs chapter 1, let's move on to verse 2, where it says, to know. That word translated to know is actually a verb. And it's this idea of getting a comprehensive, mature, full understanding of a given topic. It's understanding that's known by, and gained by observation and also discernment of consider, or consideration of somebody who's been teaching you about a subject. And so what the father shares is what he wants his children to know, which is what's next. Wisdom and instruction. Now we've talked already about wisdom, but just for the sake of this, ver- this word right here in this text, it really means, trans- it could be really translated skill or wit. And so by that, this is where we get our understanding of wisdom. Biblical wisdom relate, um, refers rather to practical skills that are associated with understanding what life is all about and then successfully acting upon what you understand. Say it another way, wisdom is skillfully applying a knowledge based on a knowledge that's based on observation, based on learning, based on understanding to an area of one's life. We could say it even simpler than that. It's skillfully living life the way it was meant to be lived. So Solomon is writing for his children to know how to skillfully live life. Then he goes on and he says instruction. And that word instruction could actually be translated discipline, chasten, admonish. It actually has the idea of being trained to obey rules or codes of behavior. Specifically, it's related to a moral nature. So what we're seeing in this is we're actually seeing that, that, that the discipline that's being applied is so that the person, who's the child who's being disciplined, actually understands that this is the way the world is and this is the way that you are to operate through it, to live according to the one who made it, to live according to his standards, to live according to his nature. And it includes the idea of punishment or correction for breaking those standards. It's sometimes used to describe the act of a father warning his son or reprimanding him further about something to be avoided later. Such instruction can be positive or, by experience, quite negative, even punitive. But the understanding is the point. It's providing understanding. So in that correction, then we can have that be instructional to understand how to avoid that in the future, whatever being corrected for. So to know instruction in this sense is to receive direction, corrective direction, corrective information to better understand life and how it really is and to better navigate the decisions that are coming. 
So, let's seek some wisdom right now. What do you say? Mind if I ask you a few questions? Are you actively seeking to learn from God, your Father? Through his teachings in the scriptures, most of us would say, yeah. What about his instructions of others? Are you, opening to, are you open to considering that God still has things for you to learn from others? Now here's the fun one. How well do you receive criticism? How well do you receive correction? I mean, do you look forward to the performance review? I mean, what's your response as you leave it when you have been given some areas of improvement? Maybe some changes in your job responsibilities? I know the thought of discipline, the thought of correction, seems like something that should be left in our childhood. But have you ever stopped to acknowledge the potential that your Heavenly Father is correcting you? And why? Because he's actually committed to you getting wiser and living life better than you are right now. See, such a worldview would provide knowledge and have significant value, and it would give you a sense of security and meaning that transcends the moment of that performance review and that uncomfortable experience of being corrected. And it would give you a sense of safety in that to know that it's actually the love of God giving you the opportunity to grow beyond and become more and more of what you're made for, to do something better than you were doing before. So the father goes on, and he says more in verse 2. To understand words of insight. And the idea behind understand, that word understand, is getting the ability to discern or to detect valuable information that's being shared from someone else. That's the ability to know this person knows what they're talking about. So I better pay attention. It's the act of pursuing wisdom from others who know what they're talking about. So verse two, the verbs in verse 2 are instructional on how to get wisdom. To get wisdom, you must know or comprehend or understand a subject. You must seek to understand it better and learn how to detect helpful information from others. And then notice the father goes on and shares another verb in verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. A word to receive could also be translated accept, and then instruction, that's actually the same word that's being used in verse 2 to talk about teaching or correction. And the the receiving uh, instruction here is in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. The idea of being prudent is the idea of proceeding with caution. It's, It's proceeding with caution, especially in the area of decision, it's being thoughtful, it's being careful, it's being decisive, and specifically, it's all of those things in dealing with people. That's what the words righteousness, justice, and equity all have to do. They have to do with treating people with the right and fair way in this context. 
So we could say it like this. To accept instruction is, is to be done that it would help us wisely make decisions that are right and beneficial for every person that's involved or affected by my decision. And by the way, isn't that the great commandment? Isn't that the great commandment? Isn't that Matthew 22, where Jesus says in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Who knew loving God and loving others was wise? It's wise because the more we understand God and the more we understand his world and who we are in it and the value of of others, we will have the tools we need to make thoughtful, wise decisions that could be summarized as loving God, ourselves, and others well. And so the Father's heart is for his children to get wisdom by knowing, understanding, and receiving it. And then notice what it says in verse 4 of Proverbs chapter 1. Let's go back to that. Verse 1, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. And so the word prudence here is really this idea of craftiness. It would be what we would use in modern terminology, as, and it says it's a bit limited, but street smarts, common sense. And so the reason the, reason the father says that is because his children are simple or naive. They're easily misled. And so he gives knowledge or discernment and discretion to the youth because a youth lacks what? Experience. They don't have the experiences in life to know how to make wise decisions, so he's giving them the information before they've done it so that they can navigate that decision beforehand. And so this is really what our Heavenly Father wants to give me and you. The information we need because we are the inexperienced and easily misled due to our lack of knowledge and experience of life as it really is. So do you got wisdom? Let's seek it now. Here's some more questions for you. Are you actively seeking to get to know, or rather to grow in living and doing life better? Your father wants to give you the wisdom to do it. Are you honest with yourself that you still have wisdom to gain and can do things you are good at in life even better? Do you recognize that wisdom is critical to, you, to love God, yourself, and others well? Do you recognize what hangs in the balance if you don't, as God's child, live wisely? So are you willing to pursue, and are you expecting that, and are you expecting that God, your Heavenly Father, will give you that wisdom you need so that you can grow up and navigate the sometimes treacherous waters of life even better? This would be a good point to ask, too. Does your heart match your Father's heart to share what you've learned with others, be that your children or others who are inexperienced and lack knowledge in life and the ways of God's? world. Because our father's desire is for his children to grow up, to become wise. So he gives us everything we need to get it. But we're responsible to know, understand, and receive it. Which brings us to number two. 
our father's charge for his children. Be lifelong learners of wisdom. Notice what it says in verses 5 through 6. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The wise here are the ones who have applied verses 2 through 4. They've gotten knowledge. They've received instruction. They've received correction. They've learned common sense and moral living and the treatment of others. They are, for all intents and purposes, wise. But notice that the charge from the father to his children is not to settle with whatever they already know. He says, hear and increase in learning. If you understand something, get even more knowledge to get even more skilled in wise living. See, a great desire of the father is for his children to have the virtue of teachability. To have the virtue of teachability. The willingness to grow in wisdom, no matter how much you already have learned on a subject, to become wise and, 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 as wise and mature as possible. Because there's always more to be learned from the Father. There is more of his heart to be understood. His intentions for his rule and good will be accomplished throughout every sphere of your life. And you know and are desperate for that. And so the Father is saying to his children, there's still more to learn. So keep listening, my son, my daughter. And keep learning. Because I'm continuing to father you in wisdom. And so, do you got Wisdom. Well, you might say in a certain area of life, yeah, I I think I do. Well, are you still willing to learn how to do that area of life even better than you are now? How do you look at your world? Do you look at it through the lens of being teachable? Here's a good question about that. Would others say that you are teachable? To be teachable would require that you see your world and you see yourself differently. To see your world as one your Heavenly Father is teaching you wisdom through. Do you see it that way? Because that's what it really is. That's reality. That's a world you're being fathered through into wisdom. Which leads us to how we need to start for our worldview to shift towards that. And that's number three. It's seen in verse 7. Be a lifelong student of your father and his son. Notice what it says says in verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So last week, Pastor Robbie quoted uh, this verse. Uh, He quoted it in, in our message on fear last week. And he defined the fear of the Lord as a time when fear is actually helpful and appropriate. And then he pointed out that the Hebrew word actually carries with it this idea of awe and wonder and great respect. And really, the reason that it could be all of those things is because there's really not a good English equivalent to that word. But as we consider the context of our loving Father offering his children wisdom to navigate his world and to grow into all that we were intended to become, we see that fear is a great deal of awe and wonder in the one who knows all things, who made all things, and who loves us so much to make a way for us to live life well. It's acknowledging God for who he is, who we are, and who others are in his world, 
And it's giving him the rightful place in considering information and application for our lives. See, it's written, don't forget, by Solomon. And if there's anyone who knew what it was like to experience life to the full, it was Solomon. And he wanted his sons to learn this. Notice what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, chapter 12 verse 13. Robbie quoted this last, um, last uh, week too. It's written at the end of the book that is a testimony of his life that says, I have searched for meaning apart from God. I've searched every area. I've lived life to the full that, that whatever the world would qualify that to be. And this was the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. He wanted his sons to know because he spoke from experience that life apart from an intimate knowledge of God and a surrender to his will and the ways and his ways is an empty meaningless existence void of experiencing it to its full and void of the ability to live up to one's potential. Really, Solomon spoke as the fool who despises wisdom and instruction in verse 7. He had it supernaturally from God. He despised it on parting and excessive living apart from God's ways. And so Solomon speaks on fear, and he's saying, listen, do you want wisdom? It starts with pursuing a relationship with your father. And we actually find some interesting things about fear in Isaiah. Because, really, Jesus becomes our cue in this. Read, check this out in Isaiah. It helps us understand fear a little bit more. The fear of the Lord, rather, a little bit more. Romans 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. He's speaking, this is, a, this is a prophecy about Jesus coming. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the Fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by his ears, by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. What I want you to notice, Jesus our older brother, really becomes the example for understanding biblical fear. Notice it says in verse 3 that his delight is in the fear of God. So fear has to do with the loving and respectful regard of God. One Bible teacher said it this way, this is not merely reverence for divine power, but it's the proper regard for all that God is. Holy, powerful, wise, loving, compassionate, and merciful and it is a choice to get to know God's heart intimately. And then from there, one can have wisdom to properly learn from him and see the world in such a way that they can love God, love others, and live well. See, it starts with giving our life to Jesus. Which, by the way, if you haven't done, that would be the most wise thing you could ever do. Because here's the information you need to know. God made the world, and he made you with a purpose. But sin is in your life, just like it's in mine, and it keeps you and me 
from being able to live the purpose that God has made us to live. It keeps us from having a relationship with God. And if we die like that, we will spend an eternity separated forever from him. But God in his love sent Jesus to live the life we couldn't live and die the death we should die so that we could be restored to God and be able to live out a relationship with him, living life to the fullest as his son and daughter. And the only way, the wise thing to do to get that kind of relationship and to have that with your father who made you is to give your life to his son Jesus by faith in him. That would be the wisest decision you could make in light of the information that was just provided for you now. Because a life of wisdom comes through a lifetime learning relationship with the Father. Really, we could boil it down to this. If you want wisdom, then grow up. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of mean, but, but how do you grow up? By getting to know your Father and Son intimately. That's the fear of the Lord. So you want wisdom? Grow up as his child. Get to know your father and his son and their world. Or we could spin it. Do you want to grow up as God's child? Live a full and satisfying life in his world? Then get wisdom. By getting to know and learn from your father and his son about his world and his will and how to navigate it well. And that could start with a simple daily prayer. Something like this. Father, or if you've gotten to know your father as his child, eventually you'll start to actually understand an intimate relationship that you have with him. You might start to call him more intimate names. I like to call him dad. I got a friend who loves to call him papa. Father, dad, papa, Father me in wisdom today because I need it. And then as you go through your day, remember, by the way, before I go there, that even Solomon asked for wisdom. And what was God's response to that? Delight in giving it to him. And also, what's really interesting is to actually track this, to notice that Jesus himself, when he was on the earth, needed to grow in wisdom. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. See, Jesus, as fully a man and fully God, living here on the earth as as a man, is our example of an intimate learning relationship from our Father. So as you go through your day, as you go through the experiences of your day, maybe you could ask this prayer of God. In the moments, the experiences, ask, Father, how are you teaching me wisdom through this experience? And as you live your days, here's some ways that you can get that wisdom as, or, or, or seek how God might answer that prayer for you. Be a student of your Father and his word. Be a student of the arts and sciences. And I say that to say, be a student of information who learns from your father how to wisely apply it. Which, by the way, that would require being done with the fear of the Lord. 
That's the word of God. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the filter by which we understand any information, that we understand that this is God's world. We're broken by sin. So am I. The world is broken by sin. So am I. Jesus has come to redeem his people. He's freed them from their sin, death, and the enemy. And I am a part of his kingdom of light. I'm a child of his, under his care. I am a servant of his, bringing his rule and reign as I grow as his son and live life in his world according to his world. And that will allow me to understand information, even from those who don't know God, as they provide it. And by the way, this will be important to point out a misconception about wisdom. Wisdom is not some cold gathering of information and then making some kind of cold decision. Wisdom comes as a fruit from an intimate relationship with our Father. It's a life with a heart fully alive to God, who enjoys life to the fullest and responds to life and its experiences as our, as our Father teaches us through that. And so therefore, the arts, the arts become ways that we can actually see and understand our Father more, respond to that with, with, what? with wisdom. Think about it. What would be the most wise thing you should, you should ever do when you see a sunset and it catches your attention? Look to it and say, thank you, God, and enjoy your Father. And when you are struggling to know, and you know that you're struggling in your walk with God, and you're struggling uh, in intimacy with your Father, maybe you need to, maybe you need to do what, 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 uh, what, how, what, what, God, what you found is, is what God draws uh, you to him through. So maybe, that's, maybe that is getting outside. Maybe that is fishing. Maybe that is enjoying music. Maybe that is enjoying painting. Maybe that is writing poetry. Maybe that is a good work of fiction. And then responding to that as actually God inviting you to receive from him. So be a student of others, especially those who are walking with God. Which, by the way, is why growth groups are so important. Find a father figure. Especially if your father is absent in your life. This is really what we talk about when we talk about one-on-one discipleship. This is an opportunity to be uh, fathered by your father through the wisdom of somebody else who's learned how to walk with him. Seek to father others to help them get wisdom. And Pastor Chris talked about this a couple weeks back in his message on the fatherless, but maybe one way to seek more direction on that is to ask this. Father, who is someone you are sending me to who needs to be fathered by you through the wisdom I've learned from you? Really, one reason we grow in wisdom is that we can share it with others. We're fathered in wisdom to father others in it. And, uh, I say it that way for a reason. I don't say, Father, who, who needs to get the wisdom you've given me? Because if I say it that way, it kind of gets me a little proud, like, like I'm wise. And instead, it's, Father, I know you're fathering them in wisdom, and so maybe what have you taught me that I might be able to share that with them? And the reason that's so important is because one author pointed it out like this. We're not meant to go through life alone. And the great tactic of the enemy is to make us think that we are alone and that life is all about survival. The truth is, and Pastor Matt prayed earlier, we are orphans who have been adopted into God's family. So we're no longer orphans now. And we can be fathered and grow up as mature and wise sons and daughters. And we need a loving father to teach us how to live wisely and to get to participate in his fathering of others and the wisdom he gives us. See, a father's Desire for his children is to grow up, to become wise. For us to grow wiser by being lifelong students of our Father. Briefly, I'll share with you this. 
This message is so, so core to the message of my heart. And the reason why is because um, my father was sick with cancer um, about 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. Um, He ended up going into remission, uh, but through the intense chemo and radiation treatments, um, about five years ago or so, his body started taking a turn. Even though he was in remission, his body just started shutting down from all the impact of that cancer um, on his life. And so he became a very different person. So in that time, God started, started coming to me and filling the gaps for me as my father in ways that my father could not fill. Um, last year, my father passed away. And this has been my encouragement to know that I am not fatherless. I am being fathered by my loving father, and he is growing me up. And wisdom. So there was a song uh, that God gave me. It really captures the heart of my, of, of, of my struggle about a year ago. Tell me who I am. I've been looking to the world uh, for identity, and I can hardly stand trying to find myself. I can't find myself. But now I've come to see that it was never me I was looking for. It was always him. See, a lifetime learning relationship with the Father is the path to wisdom. Wisdom is life lived to the full. So, do you got wisdom? You can get it by living a life of learning from your loving Father. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I come before you today and with my brothers and sisters here. And I'm so grateful for this text because this text, through, through Solomon, reveals your heart for us. His desires for his children to know what life was really about so that they could have it to the full was, was the expression of, of a father for his children, not because, that they, not because they would simply live life fully, but really be, that they would live up to all that they were made for. And it was, his delight was actually to see that. That's actually what Third John 4 talks about. It says that I have no greater delight than this to see my children walking in the truth. And so that's your heart for us. You've made us with purpose, God. You've made us with, uh, with a purpose in the time that we are here and beyond for all eternity. And you want to grow us up now and forever as we get to know you more and more. And you delight in us as we respond to what we learn with wisdom. So father us now in that wisdom. There might be somebody here who's, who's hearing this and they're realizing, I don't know God is my father. I don't know I'm, I'm his, ch- his kid. I don't know I'm his child. I know that when you shared that I needed to give my life to Jesus, I've never done that before. 
if that's you, now is the moment for you to act wisely. And it will delight your Father in heaven if you would put your faith in Jesus right now. You do that in a simple prayer like this. Father, I know that I have sin in my life. You can pray that. I know it keeps me from living to my potential. And I know Jesus died for far more than that, and he took the penalty for my sin. So as best I understand, I give you my life now. Jesus, save me from my sin and make me God's child. God, I pray for those who know you that you would come to them even now fresh as a father who sees so much potential in them and says, my son, my daughter, follow me. Get to know me more. I've got so much to teach you. And when you learn from me, apply it. I've said, don't forget my teaching. Treasure it in your heart because I've made you for so much. Get to know me. I love you so much. I pray that they, that, that those things that are so true according to your word would just resonate in our hearts. Father, as we go through our days, as we leave tonight, as we look at maybe some of the experiences from our past week, and we look at some of the, especially the negative ones, would you give us a view of that to say, God, you were there. And somehow, you are growing us up. And we are made for more. So father us in wisdom because we need it today.